Today on CityCast Chicago, there's a very special school on Chicago's north side. It's where more than 40 languages are spoken, and students come from more than 50 different countries. Sullivan High School is where many refugee students land when they come to Chicago. You know, the thing about students at Sullivan is they very much reflect what's happening across the globe, and the population shifts inside the school as world events change. We go inside Sullivan with the author of a new book about the school and the students and faculty who make it so special. It's Monday, August 23rd. I'm Carrie Shepard, in for Jacoby Cochran, and this is CityCast Chicago. Ellie Fishman first came to Sullivan in 2017 for an article she was reporting for Chicago Magazine. The journalist from Hyde Park had reported on lots of schools in Chicago, but she had never experienced anything like what she saw and heard in the hallways and lunchroom at Sullivan. So when you walk through the doors, I mean, the first thing I noticed was the soundscape. I just heard so many different languages, not that I could even identify what they were but they weren't English. And, you know, English, Arabic, Swahili, Spanish, those are the four most spoken languages inside Sullivan. Also, the hallways are lined with flags from around the globe. There are posters in different languages. The visual, another element of the visual component is the fashion. You know, these are teenagers, so they're you know, rocking their Jordans and their hijabs. Ellie's article evolved into a book, and it's out now. It's called Refugee High, Coming of Age in America. Ellie sat down with host Jacoby Cochran to talk about how the backgrounds of students at Sullivan are so unique, but how quickly many start to just be like all teenagers. It all started in January 2017 when Trump was inaugurated. And one of the first things he announced was the travel ban from seven majority Muslim countries. And when I heard that, I went to a protest at O'Hare. As I was riding the blue line out to the train, it was filled with people carrying signs that said, no Trump, no KKK, no fascist USA. And I just thought immediately, not only where are these refugee families landing, but who are these young people and where where do they end up? And of course, the first thing that you think about when you're thinking about young people is where... Where are they going to school and where do they live? Yeah, exactly. Where do they go to school? And I was pretty quickly pointed towards Sullivan. They had a long history of providing space for refugee students. So Sullivan has a a really interesting history. It opened in 1929, and it's in Rogers Park on the northeast side of Chicago, which is one of the most diverse neighborhoods in the city, if not the most diverse. Ever since it opened, it's been a landing place for immigrants, refugees, and first-generation Americans. And for the first several decades, it was Jewish refugees. There um, were waves of Nepalese refugees, Vietnamese refugees. But when the current principal stepped in to his role, he's called Chad Adams in the book, but he's since changed his last name to Thomas. So he's now Chad Thomas. He noticed that 
there were there was a big refugee community in Rogers Park, but they didn't really have a dedicated school or a school really dedicated to them. Paint me a picture of 2017 beyond the kind of inflamed hate speech. What what's also happening in the world that's kind of fueling this wave of refugees? Starting in 2016, there was a huge wave of Syrian refugees coming from the Syrian war. The timeline when it comes to refugees is a bit delayed because many of them end up stuck in a a middle place, a refugee camp or another country before they actually get resettled. And that can take 5, 10, 20 years. Some of the kids in my book, particularly the Congolese refugees who are also fleeing wars, were born in refugee camps. There are Afghani refugees, which I imagine there will be more of this year. New students starting this fall. During those three months that you were there, do you see students change and grow more comfortable with the space? Or or do you see students kind of fall in and out of being there? Because some of the students in the book, I know, had a hard time transitioning. In the original article, I start with an anecdote about this young guy, Muhammad, who had arrived from Iraq just weeks before I meet him inside Sullivan. And he's speaks very little English, super shy. And then I revisit him at the end of the story. So, I don't know, six weeks later, he looks completely different. His hair has changed. He got rid of his glasses. He's wearing some, like, pop culture T-shirt and jeans. And in that way, like, aesthetically and visually, it can change really quickly. But, of course, the deeper stuff, how you really make America feel like home, and that can take much longer. A name you mentioned earlier was Chad Thomas, who's Principal Chad Adams in the book. Uh, he got there in 2013. Can you tell me where was Sullivan at when he arrived, and how did he help kind of transform it into, you know, Refugee High? He arrived at Sullivan after spending several years as assistant principal at Harper High School on the south side of Chicago in Englewood. Harper had one of the highest incidences of gun violence of any school in the city, and Chad had lost many students and was in some ways himself really processing his own trauma when he arrived at Sullivan. This was his first principalship. And Sullivan had been a really troubled place for a long time. It had been on probation for over a decade. It was one of the lowest performing schools on the north side. It also had some of the, I think it had the highest in school incidences of violence on the north side. Basically, he had to turn the school around so it wouldn't get shut down. He spent a year kind of thinking about basically observing and seeing what was going on in the school. And one of the things he noticed was these refugee and immigrant kids and how there were new refugee students enrolling at Sullivan almost every week, sometimes twice a week. And he thought, we should be the school that these agencies know are here for their kids, where we're dedicating resources to these kids. And in 2017, they were the city designated Sullivan as its first newcomer center, which means a school that is really built to shepherd and educate refugee kids. The refugee social workers speak Spanish. They had two teachers' aides who spoke Arabic. They had a teacher who spoke Arabic and a math teacher, and he might have also spoken Urdu. So it's certainly something that they thought about. 
Coming up, Ellie tells Jacoby about some of the students she got to know while reporting her book. Stick around. Hey, did you know you could get some CityCast Chicago swag when you invite your friends to sign up for our daily newsletter? I'm talking stickers, a tote bag, just stylish ways to show your love. Find out more about our referral program at chicago.citycast.fm slash referral. Let's talk about a few of those students that you profile. Um, why was Alejandro S. Sullivan uh, from his home country of Guatemala? One of the reasons I was immediately drawn to him is he's really, really close with Miss Q, Sarah Quintens. And basically any time he was between classes, he'd come and check in with her, whether it was to have a conversation or just sit in the corner and, like, watch FIFA playbacks. He just, like, wanted to be in her orbit. You know, he clearly uh-huh. felt really comfortable with her. And as I got to know him, I learned that he's an asylum seeker. He fled violence in Guatemala City in 2013 after he was targeted by MS-13, the massive gang. And he fled on his own. And he was eventually um, reunited with his father, who had been living in Chicago undocumented himself for several years. And by the time... I met him, he was preparing for his second and final plea for asylum, which had been set for three days before, two or three days before he was supposed to graduate from high school. So in the book, we follow his journey. Like I can't imagine what that anxiety has to feel like. And for so many refugees, for so many undocumented individuals to live under that daily pressure of whether or not you are safe. And at the same time, we do have this volatile rhetoric, this hate speech coming down from the highest office in our country. How are students responding to this? How are these young people responding to this hate that they feel? I think... They'd been waiting so long to get to this country, like, and had been in limbo for so long. It seemed like, especially for the young people, like, landing here and rebuilding was all they were thinking about. They're just thinking about, like, who's dating who (laughs) and making sure their family has enough money to pay for rent. And they're so used to surviving that maybe in some ways whatever rhetoric was happening here in the U.S. didn't didn't feel necessarily any different than all of the hate that they've fled and experienced in their life prior to getting here. It's been four years, a change in president, global pandemic, so many things that have impacted the world since. Are you still following uh, Sullivan now? And how have things changed in the four years since? One thing that I've realized and really sits at the heart of the book is all the roles that school plays. You know, school is safety, school is shelter, school is food, school is social services, it's community, it's fun, it's... And I've seen a lot of reporting on, you know, learning loss in COVID among students But I've seen less about all the other things, these kind of secondary, tertiary roles that a school plays that have been lost for kids. And that was felt really acutely among the refugee community. You know, when they don't have school as a landing place, especially kids who are coming from, 
cultures that don't really have a strong understanding or conversation around trauma, and school is a place where they process that. I have also kept in touch with some of the kids from the book, you know, and they're they're not teenagers anymore. They're young adults living their lives, which is really exciting to see. I mean, a couple of them are in community college, a couple of them are working. Alejandro actually has a kid now. Like what I was saying at the beginning of this interview, that's what's so wonderful about young people. You know, it's they have this forward momentum. Their lives continue to move forward and they they are building something for themselves here. And I really love to see that. Ellie, thank you so much for being here on CityCast Chicago to talk about your book, Refugee High, Coming of Age in America. Um, it is a fantastic story that you've been following for such a long time at this point, And we're so grateful. Thank you so much for having me. This was a pleasure. Jacoby and Ellie talked before the U.S. and other countries started evacuating Afghans from Kabul. Refugee organizations in Chicago have said they're preparing for an influx of Afghans. Tomorrow, Jacoby sits down with Sarah Quintence, Miss Q, who runs the English language learning program at Sullivan. Jacoby also talks to one of Miss Q's former students. That's tomorrow right here on CityCast Chicago. Before I let you go... If you were listening Friday, you heard Ariane Nettles remind all of us that CPS is going into the new school year in one week without naming a new leader for the district. Well, sources told the Chicago Sun-Times this weekend there are two names bubbling up to the top. Current interim CEO Jose Torres and Pedro Martinez from San Antonio. Mayor Lightfoot's people would only say that the search is still underway. The Bears lost Saturday to the Buffalo Bills in the preseason. Sydney Madden has more on that in our newsletter. Sign up at chicago.citycast.fm. And it's about to get real hot and humid this week in the 90s. So be safe. And of course, some good news to get you through. Turning trees into public art. A dead tree at Loyola Beach in Rogers Park will soon become a 16-foot sculpture, and it will be a stack of geometrical shapes, the artist said. Host Jacoby Cochran will be back tomorrow. We miss him, and he misses you, I'm sure. Thanks for listening. Bye.